Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of Wednesday Night Live. This is December 1st, and a very important day uh, across our Saints Network and significantly here at the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. Um, My name is Ron Crawford. I'm blessed to be the pastor here. And today we have asked for the members of this congregation and those members of the Saints Network who would like to join with us uh, to, um, to give halal seven times throughout the day. And then tonight, here in Dallas at 6 o'clock, we will be gathering to pray on this month that we're asking God to heighten the gift of the prophetic ministry and the prophetic mindset among us. You know, the Bible speaks of the fivefold giftings uh, in the New Testament, and prophecy is one of them. Scriptures tell us to covet, to prophesy. Um, When I was growing up, and certainly when I was in a ministry training, um, there wasn't a lot of emphasis on what we know prophecy should be. The the Nabi prophet from the Old Testament and the the prophetia from the New Testament. About the only thing we thought about uh, regarding prophecy especially in the 60s and 70s, was who's the Antichrist? When's Jesus coming? Um, what, uh, what are the significant things that are happening in dispensational and eschatological thought? That was prophecy for us. And there is a measure of foretelling in prophecy, but truly to prophesy is a wide range of application biblically in hearing from God, devoting your life to what he shows you, and speaking forth uh, measures of uh, exhortation and edification to the people that God would direct a word toward. So we're going to talk a a bit about, again, what the halal means, and that's an Old Testament term uh, that was regularly translated as praise. And we're going to talk about that, even though we have taught on it extensively in the past and reiterated a lot of those things, both on Sunday and yesterday on Saints Radio. But before we do that, I wanted to um, make you aware of a couple of things that are happening right now. First of all, At this very moment, there are uh, groups on the steps of the Supreme Court um, on opposite sides of the uh, abortion issue. And the reason they're there is that the uh, Supreme Court is um, going to open oral arguments today regarding, excuse me, the state of Mississippi's desire to, and and as well as um, what other states would benefit from this um, law, 
that would ban abortion after 15 weeks. And more specifically, the uh, the folks from Mississippi were asking the Supreme Court to strike down a lower court's decision that blocked that 15-week abortion ban. Now, even though Mississippi passed this in 2018, it encountered a legal challenge from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, from a woman's health organization there, which is an abortion clinic. clinic. And um, so those oral arguments begin today, and it's estimated that the... Um, the the actual decision from the Supreme Court could it could take until July to be brought forward, and um, of course we as Christian pro life people don't want to have um, you know fifteen weeks is much better than it is now, uh, but we would prefer that there not be any abortion except for the health of the mother if she chooses so. And I'm not going to get into the nitpicky details, but what's before us today is the beginning of oral arguments at the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C. So, you know, I was watching earlier, um, Fox News was broadcasting, and they may still be live, the... um, the uh, the pro life rally that was going on and and they were there were people religious leaders who were praying and asking God to to move on behalf of righteousness. Um, one speaker was uh, a former director of an abortion clinic with Planned Parenthood, and she made a statement that just kind of chilled me and I knew I knew that there was a great number of abortions that occurred every day but she said on average 2500 babies per day are aborted across the United States and that just that just oh it just overwhelmed me now I do want to remind you that uh, Roe versus Wade has been in place for 50 years. And I also want to remind you that a couple of years ago, we were blessed to be able to go into what was the federal courtroom where the initial arguments of what would become Roe versus Wade were held here in Dallas. And we had our congregation on mass go down there and pray in that building pray in that courtroom many of you from the saints network were also joining at that same time and at the time we did this you know um we believed that god was going to do something and uh i i can't help but believe that this oral argument beginning today is in some way a part of not only that prophetic prayer episode, but the ongoing prayer, not only of our church and the Saints Network churches, but so many other groups from around um, around this nation, Christian groups who have been praying 
that uh, this scourge of abortion would be eliminated from our nation's uh, soul. And uh, we'll see what happens, but we need to continue to pray and believe God. But that is initiated today, even right now. I don't know what time that court argument, the oral arguments begin. It's 10 o'clock there on the East Coast, and um, it may be starting now. But it was very interesting to see and hear those words from uh, the women, mostly women that were gathered on the steps of the Supreme Court, and just near them was a very rabid crowd of those who were abortion advocates. And um, I just, uh, I just believe that God is going to do something. What effect it will have in the natural in our country? Only God knows. This country is so divided, and not just on matters of opinion. I mean, I don't need to tell you it about the unrest and the, the strife and the deep chasms that separate people in, in the, the opinions that are held. This opinion for saving the lives of the unborn is to me is a very clear word that Christians should support. But then there are many Christians, many progressives, who would fight tooth and nail to preserve the ability of women to go and end the life of a child that's within them. So this broadcast today is not was not geared toward this discussion that I've been bringing us to, but I just want you to be aware on this day of prayer, this December 1st, that the next step in what God is doing as a result of the prayers of his people is going on in the Supreme Court right now. Who would have thought five years ago that the Supreme Court would even remotely consider taking up this issue? And um, it truly is a miracle that this is happening. And, of course, I'm coming to you from the state of Texas, who is strongly pro-life. Not long ago, we were privileged to be part of a a banquet where um, the, uh, the emphasis was to reach out to women to help them to choose not to go down the pathway of ending their unborn child's life. And I remember the guest speaker was Colonel Allen West, who is also running for governor here in Texas. And um, I, I had the privilege, our friend who invited us to go, introduced us to him, and uh, we spoke blessing over him. And I'm not taking political sides. I'm grateful for what Governor Abbott has done. However, uh, I'm grateful to be here in Texas where there is a strong constituency supporting pro-life. But I also know that there are avid opponents to the pro-life message. And, you know, the point is, is that 
God is giving this nation a choice now. The real choice is, will, will you come before the Lord in humility, or will you follow darkness and the gross darkness that the Scripture said would be upon the world in these days? And we as saints, we as Christians, have the obligation to go before the Lord and to continue to pray. And um, I, I believe that it's notable that this proceeding is going on in the Supreme Court today, on this December 1st, when we have felt the Lord's leading to devote this day to prayer. Now, if you've not heard um, the teachings that uh, have been available about what halal is and uh, what what this word in the Old Testament really means, uh, I just give you a thumbnail sketch. Um, praise should speak forward. Praise waits for us in Zion in the places, the dry and the twisted places that God has ordained for restoration and for, um, for vitality. And throughout the Old Testament, that term halal is used to really convey a, an embracing of something that God is wanting to do, that he is entrusting to his people to believe for, in prayer and in praise. And through that, then they envision that thing that the Spirit is inspiring them to believe for, and they begin to proclaim it. It's a combination of envisioning, or hearing from God, envisioning that thing, proclaiming it confidently, delightfully, and perhaps even offering some kind of a prophetic response in uh, that is commensurate spirit driven with that vision now we also know that um the enemy lucifer uh, in isaiah where the only time lucifer is mentioned his name is halal there and that means the doer of halal you know it's a in theological circles, doctrinal circles, they'll say he means light bearer. What does that mean? That, that, that has no meaning for me at all, light bearer. But what it does mean is someone who embraced what the seven spirits of God, the seven eyes of the Lord, the seven lamps of God wants to accomplish, then to embody it and then to See to it that that is brought forward to where the light of the Lord will shine. See, light bearer just means somebody that's reflective. But truly, that name means a doer of halal. And in the Old Testament, we see that halal is used to describe things that diviners do, or sorcerers do, those that would be the antithesis of light would do. The enemy is uh, mobilized them through the, 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 the means by which God created him to use this mighty gift 
a divine gift for uh, miscreant purposes. And that's all there in the scripture. I'm not speaking some new age wackiness. If you just look at it in the word, you will see that that's there. And Revelation 19, the great choruses of hallelujah, where the kingdoms of God are finally brought to bear and restored and and all the elders and the angels and those gathered around are proclaiming this, that halal has now been firmly restored in all of its ways. And we must do this now. So we, we hear from God. What has God promised? What do we know God has spoken? And how do we go before him then? And we open our hearts and we open our, our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened and um, to, to become someone that operates in the vision of the Lord. Because without vision, the people perish. Scripture says that. Look it up. And, you know, in uh, uh, the days of uh, Samuel, there was no open breakthrough vision. It says it there in the early days of that young man's service at Shiloh. And we must be a people of vision, divine vision. And God would have us to know what he is saying he wants to do. Go before him and rejoice over that thing, to praise him for doing what he's going to do. And to um, to perhaps even see that thing uh, that that in in our in our spirit that God wants to do and proclaim it and embrace it the joy set before us what God wants to do and um, this is this is halal and so in Psalm one nineteen. David said that seven times a day he would do this. Now we know David was big on meditating before the Lord and contemplating things before the Lord and operating in a seer's gift. In fact, everyone that ministered appointed by uh, David uh, and Samuel for ministry in the tabernacle, they had to be seers. Look that up too. And God really wants us to be a people who function in this type of spirit-led and spirit-inspired capacity. God wants to use our imagination for the good. And um, as we mentioned yesterday on Saints Radio, in the book of Genesis, God said that he saw that from from youth, the imaginations and the thoughts of the heart were, were evil. And God was going to have to, his spirit wouldn't strive with that anymore, and he was going to destroy what he'd created. And But a better translation of that was that those capacities of imagination and creating in thought 
we're undisciplined, we're, we're immature, and we're prone then to walking in a pathway that was more lustful, more prideful, more easily swayed by demonic influence. And we want to be a people who function in all the ways that that God created us to function. Now, in the New Testament, it says, cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. If you look there, imaginations is not really not some spiritual will-o'-the-wisp thing. It is logisomai or a logisome. And it it's how we or how people concoct what they're going to do based off the logos, how they mechanize their process of accomplishing something. And what you're to cast down is that when it's basically just fleshly or if it's not accomplishing what God has ordained to do. And if especially if it's in alignment with high things, that exalt themselves against what God, through Christ, is wanting to do. So that's the kind of thing we cast down. We have to be alive in the Spirit. We have to allow the Spirit that is born again within us through Christ Jesus, through his blood, through his sacrifice, to live and to breathe. It's that Spirit that the Bible says prays when we pray in unknown tongues. And when God's Spirit is active in us, God's Spirit is going to reveal things, and God's Spirit is going to cause us to be able to envision the eyes of our understanding, being enlightened, that we may be able to comprehend that inheritance of the saints, the height, the depth, the width, the breadth, the eyes of understanding, enlightened. And so uh, I'm going to talk about these seven times, but I want to also direct you to a passage that should be well known to everyone in the church, Joel 2 verses 28 and 29, especially to Pentecostal people, because this is what Peter quoted and expounded upon on uh, the birth of the church, the day of Pentecost, that first fruits offering. But before we do, um, I just want to give you some practice of the seven times. Now, it's arguable. We, we talked about the many times instances of seven times in Scripture, and really what seven means. It is, it is truly the embracing of the ways of God and being absolutely devoted to be saturated with it. So it's arguable that David could have been saying here, Halal is my way of partnering with the ways of God. Halal is what I do. Halal is what I am. But 
there's also the argument that this was seven specific times of the day. We're going to lean toward that for this day, December 1st. But I believe that halal in the seven should be an ongoing lifestyle for us. We should be a people who are prophetically inclined, who listen to the voice of the Spirit as he guides us into all truth. We should be a people who are continually listening for the still small voice of God and who have our eyes enlightened to recognize what God is wanting to do to the degree that he reveals it and then embracing that and proclaiming it. And so I knew that we were going to be doing this today. I knew that it was what God wanted. Our congregation is going to be gathering tonight at 6 to pray concerning this. But throughout the day, which is why we're broadcasting this live here earlier in the morning, uh, we, we're asking our people to to step down and what God's Spirit puts before you regarding his purpose for your life, his purpose for the saints, his things that he's promised to go before God, to to give him uh, a, a measure of thanks, and then to embrace whatever thing God might be showing or whatever God might be allowing you to be knowing, and you proclaim that and to dwell on that for a time. Um, this is good. Now, I intended to come in here early this morning, but I woke up at 2.30 in the morning and launched my first halal. In fact, I did it before I went to bed last night, but you know me, I'm, I'm, up, I'm up early and I'm not as young as I used to be and I go to bed early. So I launched one last night, but at 2.30 up I was, and then I just stayed up, and I came in here early, and I've already been blessed to release four of these. I have a feeling I'm going to be doing more than seven. I think that's fine with God because um, we've got a lot to believe him for. We've got a lot to proclaim, and so far I have... I'm not going to tell you the things that I've been proclaiming, but so far it's been about um, the mission that we have as saints in reaching the world, the desire to have a, a Bezalel anointing released to the people. In fact, remember we looked yesterday at how that uh, that word translated as thoughts in the Genesis passage where God said the thoughts and the imaginations are evil, but that word was used to describe how Bezalel heard from God and how he envisioned the things artistically that God wanted to have made for the temple and then subsequent or for the tabernacle and subsequently for the temple. And um, I I just think that's amazing. I, I've been asking for uh, a greater anointing to be upon not only my church, but the the representations of the saints, a greater anointing to pray than we've ever had, a deeper, more encompassing release of God's anointing for a 
greater demonstration of prayer. I've been asking for what the Old Testament says, that, that the people would have a will to work beyond what we've, what we've expressed in the past. I've been asking just before this broadcast for the, uh, the power of the cross to be um, accentuated here beyond what we have proclaimed and, and uh, enjoyed that the deposits of the glory, the histeme that Christ paid for there at the cross would, would come alive. And I've been asking God to give me prophetic vision of how that will manifest here during services, during meetings, during times of prayer, where people be free, um, be set free from things that have troubled them, healed and miraculously restored and and I've I've been really pressing the envelope for that uh, because I believe it's what God is wanting. And I just had a wonderful time. I was just laying before the Lord here, uh, reclining before the Lord here in the in the booth, asking God for wisdom and direction um, for um, for how we need to be utilizing this equipment. There are a lot of things that we've made commitments to do here in these next couple months, and we still haven't figured out how best to do them. I don't want to just do them. I want to produce something of quality, and I know you do too, something that will be effective. But these things, you know, we talked about how Jesus said, whatever I see, my Father do. That's what I do. How does that happen? How did that happen? Jesus was fully God, fully man. He didn't just operate in sovereignty to do whatever he well pleased. He had to see, it's what the scripture says, what his father did. I want that seeing to be greatly enhanced and participating in halal, in the Spirit, praising forward every day as a lifestyle will hone this capacity within us. You, What you do is what you become. What you pursue is what you'll attain. And I believe that a constant adherence to halal which is used many, 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 many times in the Old Testament and then extended into the New, is a missing discipline in the church. And God is saying we need to not only rediscover it, but not only do it today, but to make it lifestyle because it blesses the Lord. It's what the Scripture tells us to do. And so often, you know, we don't see hallelujah uh, written in the Old Testament, but it's there nonetheless, because literally it's halal-yah, halal-yahweh, over and over again. Halal in conjunction with that dimension of God that indicates his will, 
and how he wants to do a thing according to his plan and his purpose. And so this is something that is at the essence of our partnership with God. And so we've got to make this a part of us, an operational part of us. So I I claim that over uh, our congregation here and, and over the saints that that we would be a people who are saturated as halal individuals on behalf of the purpose of our God. We are spiritual people. We are spirit beings. We are born again in spirit through Christ. And yes, that should be our 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 guy that's that that's what God gave us at life. We will surrender that when we die, just as Jesus did. Give up he gave up the ghost. And what we what we do on this earth should be in alignment with that dispensation of the Spirit of God within us. It's kind of like a heavenly DNA. I don't want to colloquialize it, but it it is what God gave us to serve him with. Yes, now we have to submit our mind because the natural mind is at enmity with the Spirit of God. The natural mind wants to control what you do. The mind needs to become cons- uh, absolutely... Um, submitted to the will of God and subservient to the the will of the Spirit of God. Um, we we must recognize this and be more spirit led than we are mind led. And then, of course, we submit our our body, our energies. We submit our um, our intents, our emotions, our soul, the way we react, the way we shouldn't react to God. Everything should be devoted to what the Spirit of God wants to do in us. And the Spirit is life and light. So, I don't know what God wants you to be proclaiming, I'm just going to give you clues to what I'm doing. I've already told you some of the ones that the Spirit has inspired me to be proclaiming. There are more as the day goes by. Um, when I get here with my congregation on at 6 o'clock, we're just going to come in and pray. We're not going to sing a couple hymns and clap a while. You know, We're just coming in and we're going to pray. Imagine that. We're not going to come and talk about prayer for 50 minutes and then pray for 10. We're just going to come in and pray. But it's at that point that I'm going to be submitting myself and asking God to show me what I need to become in these coming days and what I need to be as the leader here uh, in this congregation. And so... I kind of prayed that last night and submitted this day 
um, to the Lord. So it's not like I am forsaking what I need to be changing. I've already committed myself in that way. That was first, and then I'm going to share that with my congregation tonight. But I've listed a, a number of other things. Like I said, there's going to be much more than seven specific numerically, but I believe that this is what God is wanting. So I can't tell you what yours should be. I mean, if you want to borrow some of the ones that I've said, if you're in the Saints Network, you should be wholeheartedly in agreement. At some point in the very near hours, I'm going to be asking the Lord for clarity and for direction regarding international travel and those that are wanting to come here. You know, I was speaking with uh, Luciano and Anna, and they were very excited on Monday that on that day they were purchasing airfare for Luciano to come here in March. Now, I understand that Uncle Joe, uh, President Biden, is contemplating right now making any person, regardless of vaccination status, regardless of COVID tests, regardless of nationality, regardless of what your passport says, making anybody who comes into this country be forced to quarantine for at least seven days. That's not going to work very well for those that come here for uh, ministry. Or if we go out, I don't want to leave the country and come back and have to stay in a Motel 6 for seven days before I can come back to the church and my family. See, this, this, is, this is just, I'm not downplaying COVID. I think we need to be believing God for this thing to be stopped. I mean miraculously stopped. Because there's always going to be variants popping up. I mean, if you thought that, that uh, you're going to get uh, two Moderna jabs and then a booster and all of a sudden it was going to disappear, right now it's Omicron. I'm glad I took Greek in, in Bible college, seminary, so I could pronounce these variants. You know, I think it's interesting that they did not go with chai, which was... Uh, you know, XI, which is uh, <laughs> the name of the Chinese premier. Uh, he twisted some arms and didn't call it this. I don't know why they didn't do Epsilon or, um, you know, any of the other Greek letters. They just went right to Omicron. But there's always going to be some new ones. And if, if, if the enemy has his way, we're just going to be restricted out of travel. I really think that's part of the demonic strategy that we can't go and boots on the ground, be with the indigenous churches and greet and meet new people who are hungry for the things of the saints of the Lord. And this has to be stopped. I mean, stopped. Now, there'll be other plagues and pestilences. The scripture says that. But this needs to be stopped because if it's not stopped, Pope Fauci and and everybody else in the government is just going to restrict us to no movement. Now, I'm not, I am not trying to promote some kind of denial. You know, I read today that Marcus Lamb, who I knew tacitly, who was founded the Daystar Network, he passed away COVID. He was a diabetic and 
course, all the network, uh, most of the media is mocking them now uh, because they took a stand in believing God. And I don't watch Daystar. I really don't watch Christian TV. I bless it. I just don't. But um, so I'm I'm not denying anything, but I am believing everything that the Lord wants to do. And one of the things that, again, I'm going to go before the Lord for is that we have open doors for travel and that we work for the night is coming when no man can work. Yes, we're doing every day just about outreach into various countries, various regions of the world. Uh, either through this website or through Zoom. And I just got a request, uh, came in early this morning, because Brazil is three hours ahead of us. This next Monday night, I'm supposed to be greeting a, a church and a, and, a, and a network of churches down there. And I've asked what they what they want, what they're expecting. But we're using our equipment that you stood with us to acquire. and But there's no substitute to actually being there to lay hands on people, to impart. What we have to do, we do with all our might. But this, these restrictions have to go away, and we, we need to be able to be there. Uh, there's no substitute for that. And, um, well, we do have substitutes, but it's, it's not the same. So we'll believe for that. So I directed you to Joel 2. And I wanted to focus on two aspects of this that really are commensurate with what we've been talking about. Verse 28 says, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Here is that Nabi prophecy. It means to bubble up. We've done teachings on this. It doesn't mean that you're out of control or that you're like old faithful or that you're some kind of uh, 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 some... uh, uh, some geyser that is uncontrollable. Um, it means that you are receiving something from within. You're bubbling up. It's being perfected and brought forth. It's unpredictable as to what it will be, but it surfaces and you must release it. That's the best thing that you can say about Nabi. And again, I think a couple seminars ago I taught on this so you can access archives for that. Your old men, this means, yes, it means old, but it also means elder. And it it means somebody that is in, um, in a measure of responsibility. So it doesn't just mean chronologically old. Will dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Seeing vision basically means what it says. And the difference between a dream and a vision in the scripture is that dreams indicate your purpose. Dreams indicate something that is entrusted through the leader, usually, um, to earmark the pathway you're going to be on. Visions are have an immediacy to them and they are they are directional visions do not contradict the dream 
In fact, it's it's a lot like Kronos, Kairos, Logos, Rhema. It's Peretz, Peratz. It's that same type of pattern. And, and it also speaks about those that are the, under that leader who will do exploits as they seek God, but they don't evade the dream. Now, we, everybody has dreams in their personal life. Um, lots of dreams are just, it's just the mechanism functioning. And there's nothing spiritual about them. Other dreams are interesting and curious. They may address points of your purpose. And you really need to interpret them through the scripture. But then there are dreams that God gives us that we know are from God. And they, uh, they really shine a light on what we're to be doing individually. Now, the enemy has attacked people in dreams. I remember when we first began this walk and we, we taught and wrote about dreams and visions. Um, boy, talk about opening a Pandora's box. I wrote this little booklet about dreams and visions straight from the scripture. And I, I was the head of a, a ministerial, ministerial board here uh, in North Texas at that time and Somebody had, in one of our meetings had got a hold of that, and this brother was really concerned that I'd gone off into the New Age. And I, I said, did you actually read the booklet? Did you find anything in there that was not directly from the Scripture? And it, it's, it's there's that disjointedness um, about these types of things that was the birth gift of the Father on the day of the church's birth. <laughs> Acts 2 and Joel 2. And we just leave those gifts unopened and we surrender them to the enemy. But dreams and visions are things that God wants us to have. But I remember at that same time, there were some people that God mightily touched and in their dreams, this didn't happen a lot, but it did happen a few times. They would have a, some people would have almost threats from the enemy. And, and some people would have accusations against not only me, but other people in leadership. And you had to process those. And, you know, thankfully the people came and reported it. And we were able to process and declare the blood over whatever openings. Usually in two of the instances, it was because these same folks had been either abused or misled by a, somebody that was a spiritual leader in their past. And the enemy came through that open wound and we had to close that. Um, and thank God that was rectified. I remember one time I was in, in India. I think it was that first journey into India. And uh, there were intercessors here praying. And I remember two of them had dreams 
where they saw me, one of them saw me ministering and and it was uh it was accurate at the very time they were having this dream I was ministering and they they saw it and another person I said something to them in the dream that they needed to be praying about for the purposes of the that mission that we were on there in India and God knows we needed it so dreams align with the overall purpose but what I wanted to really touch on today is that it says dream dreams you notice that there the old man will dream dreams now this is more than a double issuance these are there these are two different words they're from the same root meaning dream but the first one which is uh halam is is very interesting because it means you can look this up for yourself to bind together to make firm to grow strong to to enlarge to restore health or to be functioning fully in wholeness or in health and that definition i confirmed out of several sources and that's the first word shall dream dreams the second is basically the root um which just means dreams something that happens at night something when you're asleep but i just think that it's interesting that that the two words together indicate that purposeful dreams are for the use of the spirit to bring something into health to bring something into full divinely intended capacity and function to restore something to that to make something stronger to bind it together so that it's not disparate or fractured or in strife to bring blessing and growth and enlargement these are the things that the spirit wants to do regarding our purpose these are the things that the spirit wants to do pertaining to the dreams that god would give to us now how does this fit in regard to halal well i think anybody who's actually listening <laughs> would immediately see the connection it's one thing to recognize what god is wanting to do it's another thing to engage yourself for the purpose of that divine desire to become accomplished to become whole to become enlarged and to grow and be strong to become 
united together as opposed to fractured, to bring all those pieces together, to bind them together, to be in one accord. And that, to me, is the thread of halal. You know what God has said he wants to do. You know on the basis of what God has prophesied, where praise is to be targeted. You have an envisioning of that. And you go before the Lord and cherish that perception. And you proclaim it forth and you declare it. And you you may even sing it. You may do some kind of a prophetic act commensurate with what that thing is. To me, that is very similar to this first expression, dream, dreams, this first part of that. And what we're wanting here in this month of the prophetic, this month of um, believing God for a springboard into this new year of service for him, we're wanting to see what God wants to have done. We're wanting his purpose to be fulfilled. We're wanting to, to lift up our eyes and look. You remember, vision is so important in, in the scripture. Remember uh, Abram, when righteousness was first mentioned. In fact, righteousness, if you'll look it up, involves vision. It, it its word is its root is vision to see abraham looked up and believed god what god was showing him god directed him to lift up his eyes and he believed god and god said this is righteousness this is the way vision should function this is my friend and so we are we are doing this before the Lord, but it is a function of his purpose for the saints. And so if you if you can't believe anything else we've said today, even though it's been scriptural, you cannot separate. On birth, the birthday of the ecclesia, the birthday of the church, this is the passage that the Spirit led Peter to say, this is that. And the dreaming of dreams and the vision, not to mention sons and daughters prophesying, and, you know, I could talk about that, but it's to me that's obvious. The embellishing in halal is what we are focusing on today. And God wants to quicken that as a lifestyle for us. I pray that this day will be a great blessing for you and that, that it will bless the Lord. And I pray that God will use it for the kingdom 
and that God will take each of you into the place that he intends for you to be walking in, in the days to come. And again, I remind my congregation that tonight we're going to gather to pray at six. If by some chance you're not able to come in person, please set that side that time aside to pray. And those of you who are hearing this, whether live or on archive throughout the day, please consider spending time throughout the day offering halal. And if you'd like to join us in a concerted time of prayer tonight, or whatever time of the day that would be for you, and it would be later in the night for most of you in uh, South America and in Europe, in, in Africa, in India, um, may God bless you. Let's make this a day of praising the Lord and welcoming a heightened measure of aligning ourselves with our prophetic identity in God. So, God bless you. Thanks for joining seven times today, at least, a lifestyle. We offer halal before God. God bless you. Goodbye.